this is the Attack for Zero podcast, just sitting here, uh, just sending a message your way today. Uh, my name is Carter Noble, your host for the evening, afternoon, day, whatever time it is for you. Um, I'm joined today, as always, by my wonderful co-host, Carl Wilkin. Carl, what's going on today, bud? Just a lot of snow, a lot of cold. I spent the entire day digging the car out so I can go to work. So, uh, for those who don't know, Carl and I both live in Missouri. Um, and over the course of a few days, um, I got about probably 12 inches of snow, if not a little more here. Uh, we were at 8 this morning. Uh, I know when I got off work two days ago, it had just started and we were already at 4. So, we got a lot of snow in a short amount of time. I, I worked Friday night and... Uh, as I'm pulling into the lot to go in, um, it's just starting. So I'm just like, you know, it's it's nice and warm. It was 60 degrees this week. The ground's going to be too warm for it to accumulate. And then, you know, I wake up yesterday morning and we have a foot of snow. So, <laughs> Yeah, that's exactly how that works. It's Missouri. What do you expect? Um, so we are here today to go over the, the last of or the best of the Ravnica Legion spoilers. Um, we got the full spoiler Thursday, is that correct? Thursday or Friday? Uh, Friday. It would been Friday. Full spoiler on Friday. So we are going to um, go over our top five cards for the set. I know I have I have a few honorable mentions as well um, before we get into that. And then I think after that we're going to uh, go over a little bit of what I've learned in playtesting so far. I am going to the Open in Indianapolis on on the release weekend so uh, i started playing standard start playing with these new cards and actually feeling how how they feel and how they interact with everything else in the format so um what do you want to start carl uh let's start with some honorable mentions what do we got over there um first honorable mention i want to talk about is the combination of judith and tasa so judith the scourge diva is a human shaman legendary creature for one black and a red, two two. Uh, other creatures you control get plus one plus zero, oh, and whenever a non-token creature you control dies, Judith the Scourge Diva deals one damage to any target. And then we have Tasa Karloff, who is two white black for a two four legendary human advisor. Um, if a creature dies, causes a triggered ability of a permanent you control to trigger. That ability triggers an additional time. Additional text on the card: uh, Creature tokens you control have vigilance and lifelink. I don't think that text is actually going to be relevant for the synergy between Tesla and Judith, but there's most likely going to be some type of aristocrats deck in standard centered around either these two or something along the lines of like Tesla and Poison Tip Archer. Um, there's the new black card that is a Blood Artist-esque card. Vindictive Vampire. There we go. Uh, for a for bl- three in black for a 2-3 vampire, obviously. Um, whenever another creature you control dies, Vindictive Vampire deals 1 damage to each opponent, and you gain 1 life. So, there's there's most likely some Aristocrat-style deck in this format. Um, unfortunately, all your payoff cards are at 4 mana. So, unfortunately, I haven't been able to figure out what's the right shell for everything to fit. So, as a result, I'm putting Tesa and, and Judith on my my honorable mentions just because it's going to happen i know it's going to be good but i just don't want to put the mental energy into trying to figure it out agreed i have in my honorable mentions something along the lines of the uh aristocrats deck except mine comes in at two mana and it's one of our new sack outlets we have it's essentially a free sacrifice outlet i don't know if you want to call it free quote unquote (laughs) there's no mana to dump into it but you have to tap the creature so, Priest of the Forgotten Gods is a one in a black for a human cleric creature, uh, one two that has this awesome ability of tap, sacrifice two other creatures. Any number of target players each lose two life and sacrifice a creature. You add two black mana to your mana pool and draw a card. So, I feel like if there is an aristocrat deck, this is probably going to be one of your sacrifice outlets. It's just so much. Va- it's so much value sacrificing your token creatures this card does a lot so i was uh you know i talked about everything in the deck wanting wanting to cost four mana this is a this is an accelerant for that deck 
of being able to oh, sack something on turns one or two and or you know having multiple creatures to be able to sacrifice early to ramp into your payoff cards i think i think it's really good i think this card's very playable i feel like i'm missing something to make this deck just click i'm not sure like we said we don't want to put all the time and effort into trying to figure it out it's not a week one strategy that will probably be nailed down really hard so i wouldn't be too worried about it right this minute um another one of my honorable mentions list i have consecrate consume uh this is one of the orzov split cards this is the uncommon uh consecrate is an instant it's a white black hybrid in one exile target card from a graveyard draw card and then consume is a sorcery for two white black target player sacrifices a creature with the greatest power among creatures they control you gain life equal to its power the reason i like this card is specifically for the consume half as a as another way outside of sweepers for the white black deck to be able to deal with something like carnage tyrant that i feel like otherwise is going to have a harder time for it because carnage tyrant has hexproof it makes it much harder to be able to interact with whereas consume says well i doubt you have anything with greater than seven power why don't we just get rid of that one unfortunately the reason the reason this card didn't make my list is i'm just not impressed enough with concentrate is doing that i just feel like it leaves a little bit to be desired in matchups whereas the the other split cards in this format there's there's modes for either half to do something in basically almost any matchup agreed uh consecrate at least it draws a card but i wish it did a little bit more i'm very proud of consume i would i would play consume if it was just by itself if it was just a card i i would too but the problem is is when you have access to multiple cards in this format that already deal with with the problematic cards at four mana you have Kaya's Wrath. Yeah, exactly. You have Cleansing Nova at five. You have Settle at four. Like these are these are all cards that are already playable in this format. So why devote a slot to a card that's not also flexible? Whereas you have other flexible cards. My second card on my honorable mention list uh, is probably going to see more play in modern rather than standard. It is Cinder Vines. It's red and green for an enchantment. That says, whenever an opponent casts a non-creature spell, Cinder Vines deals one damage to that player. You may tap one, sacrifice Cinder Vines, destroy target artifact or enchantment. Cinder Vine deals two damage to that permanent's controller. As you all know, KCI seems to be the big boogeyman of the format right now. And this card feels wonderful against KCI. card is very good against against KCI. Not, not only on the back half of being a disenchant, but also on the front half of just... Well, you're recurring all these spells over and over again. I'm going to tax you by how many times you can actually do so. Exactly. It gives the aggressive decks like Burn, like these red-green aggressive decks in Modern, a, a little bit more of a leash to keep on KCI. KCI has to spend a Nature's Claim or an EE to get rid of this thing. And if they do that, you can just respond by sacrificing yourself if you have the mana open for it. And this card is just great. Uh, it's only, the only reason it's on my honorable mentions list is I don't know how many decks will dip into this. I see Jun like picking up a couple for like the Storm matchups and the KCI matchup and just like the 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 control matchups. But outside of Jun picking it up, I don't see very many decks probably touching this card. I think any deck that's already playing Ancient Grudge to a non-zero amount, like there's a non-zero amount of Ancient Grudge in their board, I think this this just slides into that that slot because specifically in modern you need your sideboard cards to do more than just be a narrow answer whereas ancient grudge only answers artifacts this you can also bring in like you said against storm as another taxing effect and you can bring it in against you know something that like against junk you have people who bring in like leyline of sanctity this also is an answer to that so i i think having more flexible spots for your sideboard is what makes this card playable and modern um the last one i have on my honorables mentions list is electro dominance uh is a red red x instant electro dominance deals x damage to any target you may cast a card with converted mana cost x or less from your hand without paying its mana cost this card <laughs> this card is either an absolute bulk rare and will never see play or it is going to be absolutely broken and someone's going to break the format and it's going to be $20. This is by 
quote unquote like target buyout card. I agree. The the card is currently pre selling for ten. I think I don't know if I feel comfortable enough at ten dollars to start picking them up. But if they dip down to four or five dollars, I could definitely see myself picking them up. I would definitely do that. This card is going to be scary. Like there the fact that you can just like pay just two red and get to cast the living in that's stuck in your hand. Or Wheel of Fate's gross. These these are all playable cards that you have to have a new enabler form. So the big the big thing I see this doing is specifically in modern, uh, where you already have something like Astrotold Living End. This is kind of slapped in that deck as an additional piece, whereas that deck couldn't really do anything without Astrotold on the table. So now you're just like, well, this is an extra redundant copy of that card. The other deck I'm real excited for this one for is Brand. Because of, like you said, Wheel of Fate. As a uh, as a guy who is picking up stuff for for Grishel Brand, that sounds great. Uh, I definitely can help you with that list. I have one just sitting on my computer right now. My last honorable mention is has nothing to do with any kind of format. It's just a flavor card. My last honorable mention is Humongulus. I don't know how many people follow along with the Ravnica lore. So Return to Ravnica had a... I can't remember what it was called. It was a sorcery? Totally lost. I think that's the card. It was totally lost. That's the card I'm thinking of, right? And had everyone's favorite little guy. I I know I'm going to butcher this. Flipped. So he's this cute little one-eyed humunculus. And he's just lost in the crowds of Ravnica. Well, humunculus is the person searching for flipped. I think we talked about this on one of the earlier episodes. But I want... Uh, something I read online is that in the third Ravnica set, which we finally got a name for, War of the Spark. So the in the next upcoming set, War of the Spark, um, having a cathartic reunion reprint with these two on the art. And I think that just sounds adorable. It sounds great. That's, that sounds fantastic. I'm excited to see if it happens. I'm not anticipating it, but I think it would just be in a missed opportunity for r&d not to do it'd be so great for art wise and story completion it'd be perfect okay so that is all of our honorable mentions unless you have anything else to add carl nope that's all of them so uh, we're gonna start from bottom to top we're gonna start with our fives work our way up to ones um you want to start you want me to carl i don't really care either way i'll start i I like i like my number five good let's let's hear it number five on my so far favorite cards from Ravnica Allegiance is Terramander. So Terramander is a one mana, for one blue mana for a Salamander Drake. Uh, it's a 1-1 one, one with flying and has adapt four for seven and a blue. This ability costs one less to activate for each instant and sorcery card in your graveyard. This has the potential to be a two mana 5-5 five, five flyer. I think this is going to slot well into these is it phoenix decks and standard the is it crackling drake decks i think this will slot in really well as some kind of early threat they can stick down also just a two mana five five is just value i've seen a lot of talk online talking about this card comparing it to delver of secrets which i i think is a more accurate description um i've also seen a lot of talk of comparing this to something like gromag angler or Tombstalker. definitely compare it to Tombstalker. it's a, a two mana five five but at the same time, this doesn't shut off the second copy or the third copy. Whereas your second copy of Tombstalker is a little worse because you can't delve all the way like you did your first one. So I, I definitely like Terramander. I'm not sure where it fits in the format. This is, I think, the one card that I'm just like really lost on. It's either... I want to see it. I want to see whatever shell it fits in and then I'll be like, oh, this is great or oh, this is garbage. Like, I want to see where it ends up. So, Star City currently has these pre-ordering for $0.75. Cents, foils at 8 And I don't know if that if that $8 foil is really low or really high, but I feel like it's one of the two. That feels really high. Really? Okay. Just for a foil uncommon in a soon-to-be majorly open standard set. We'll have to see how many open on average. If this is one of the uncommons that 
everybody opens. Foils of this will go down. If this becomes one of like Stitcher Supplier, where the foils are like super hard to find because Stitcher Supplier itself was very hard to open, then the foils in this one might shoot up to about ten fifteen dollars easy. I really do think it just depends on how playable this card is in in all formats. I've seen talk of playing this alongside Delver in Legacy, where where you know play this on one. It's already better than Delver on turn one. Because you're able to have a 1-1. One, one. It may not be better than Delver on turn 2, but we'll figure that out as it happens. This card, Terramander is better later in the game, whereas Delver is better, I think, on turn 1 or 2. And you're able to still protect it with your Force of Will, your Dazes, your other cards along those lines. So, I would be interested in testing this card in the non-rotating formats. I'm not sure if it's going to fit into Standard. I think if it does, it's going to be in that eight Drake's list. Exactly. Maybe not like as a four of, but like maybe like a two or three. Yo, uh, we already have Murmuring Mystic being played. And I think this card could be better in that slot. So, I don't know. It's, it's definitely one I'm interested in playing with and not one I've actually put in the effort to play with yet. But I would be interested in seeing where it ends up. What's your number five? So, at my number five, I have Carnival Carnage. Um, this is the Rakdos Uncommon Split card. Uh, Carnival is a hybrid mana instant. Carnival deals one damage to target creature, planeswalker, and one damage to that, that permanent's controller. And then Carnage is a four mana sorcery, two black and red, deals three damage to target opponent. That player discards two cards. The reason I have this ranked higher than Concentrate and Consume is this card isn't really ever dead. How many, how many times against blue-white control or Jeskai control has your opponent ticked down on your Teferi and now it's at one? This then goes, okay, one to your Teferi, kill it off, one to you. Let's say they don't have a Teferi. Okay, Blightning you. You know That's going to require a response from them. Because you can't just get a natural you know, four for one off of the card. Or three for one. So I think this card is basically never dead. In your aggro matchups, this is killing off your X1s and, and against something like Golgari. With your Explore Creatures trigger on the stack, you can kill it because it's an X1 because you're already bringing in something like Fungal infest Infestation in that matchup to specifically do that. So this already deals along the same lines. And because it's better in the control matchups, it's not dead there. In your mid-range matchup, it can do the same thing. And then against aggro, it just kills a threat there's there's not really a point in the game where this card doesn't have relevant text the only time that comes up is if you're both empty-handed and neither of you have a creature on the board <laughs> yeah exactly i feel like the split cards in ravnica allegiance all seem to be better than the split cards that, than what we got in guilds of ravnica the only ones like that are memorable in guilds of ravnica was discovery and dispersal and then um that's that's the only one that comes to my mind off the top of it. And trust me, I've played a lot of Discovery Dispersal. Like, that's the only one that, like, I see all the time is that one. Mm-hmm. And it, it's, you know, dipping into a little bit of modern play with with something like Ritual Brand that wants to dump cards into its yard. Yep. But Blue Black Mill plays it a little bit, too. Really? Okay. Yeah, just they, they play a couple, usually. It's not... It's, it's the fact that it's a dual purpose. Here's something that helps me dig to my next big mana, like, big mill spell. Let's me flip over extra lands I don't need, and the dispersal helps against threats that you can't deal with normally. Yep, I agree. So that is my number five. Carl, what do you got? So number four is not really going to be played probably in any major formats. It's just a card I really, really like. Biogenic Ooze. A five mana, three and two green creature ooze. When biogenic ooze enters the battlefield, create a two two green ooze creature token. At the beginning of your end step, put a plus one plus one counter on each ooze you control, and for three green mana and one, you may create a two two green ooze creature token. This guy's a little two two, so he's a little on the underside for power, but making four power split between two bodies for five mana isn't unheard of in magic formats and i think this card is just going to be a fun little commander build around um i really wish this card was legendary i do too we we need an ooze tribal commander like really bad but granted if we wanted ooze tribal he'd have to be like jund colors because blood hall ooze and necrotic ooze so i currently have 
um, gatherer pulled up with every ooze that had been printed. Um, interesting uh, interesting additions. We have acidic slime. Uh, you mentioned blood hall ooze, uh, which is a one one red for a one one. If you give your upkeep, if you control black black permanent, put a one one counter on it. If you control a green permanent, put a one one counter on it. So that's that's really well with uh, biogenic ooze because you're putting a counter on it and then you're putting an additional counter on it at your instep. Exactly. Yeah, it works really well. We have Corrosive Ooze. We have Experiment 1. Yep. That's another good one. Hanweir, the uh, Withering Township, is an Eldrazi Ooze. Oh, yeah, the the Meld card. Yeah, the the one that melds with the land. That's right. The one that melds with Hanwar Battlement. Okay. Yep. We have uh, Necrotic Ooze, like you mentioned. We have Prime Speaker Vanifer. Yep. <laughs> There's our ooze and... commander, except it's blue. <laughs> How many blue oozes are the there? Same, right? Um, experiment crash. That ain't enough. That ain't enough. I don't think. <laughs> we have scavenging ooze, the mimeoplasm. Salt tie, but. All right, I'm out of oozes. I <laughs> didn't take very long. It did not. But uh, I still feel like this could be just like a fun mana sink in a commander deck somewhere. Tabletop magic. People would love this card. I think this card will just be expensive because... I think this card's a, a casual knockout. Yeah. Like, this card will be just casual gold. Like, if... um, What is the card? Is it Bloodhall Vampire? The one that taps the Mako Tutu from original Innistrad? Not a clue. Couldn't tell you. It transforms into a vampire, a vampire and bat lord, I think. But that card at one point was twenty dollars in its lifetime, and wasn't played in standard, wasn't played in any format. But it was a casual card because it was a vampire lord. Yeah. So I think biogenic ooze kind of fits into that same category. But I actually think this one could be like playable outside of just casual tabletop play. I could I could legitimately see myself casting this card in a standard tournament. And just either they immediately kill it and I get a two for one because I get my token out of it, or they don't and I get to activate it and now I'm getting a three for one, a four for one, and these creatures are constantly growing. So I'm not not sold on this card, but I wanna play with it. <laughs> <laughs> What's your number four? At number four, I have another split card. I have Warrant Warden. Uh, front half of Warrant is two Azorius hybrid mana. Instant. Put target attacking or blocking creature on top of its owner's library. And then Warden is a five mana sorcery. Three bl- blue and white. Create a 4-4 four, four Vigilance. Uh, a 4-4 four, four white and blue Sphinx with flying and Vigilance. This, again, is just kind of in the same... In the same camp as what Carnival and Carnage is doing, where it's never really a dead card. If you're playing against the aggro deck, you get to bounce their dude, which Azorius Charm, that was, in my opinion, the best mode of that card, of time walk your opponent, where you're putting a creature back on top of their library in the early games, and they have to devote their entire turn to casting it again. And then, in the matchup where that's just not relevant, or even later in the game when you need to start turning the corner... You get to then play a five mana four four Sarah Angel, you know, so that in itself helps you turn the corner by attacking down your opponent, or you know attack your opponent and be able to stay on defense to protect your planeswalker or your life total, whatever it is. Um, this this card I have played a little bit with, and it it has impressed me. I've got to copy it with the backside of Primal Amulet once on Warden. It was just, it was glorious. <laughs> just five mana make two four fours. Yeah. Oh, it was, it was great. I loved it. That sounds like a very good rate for four fours. This is a card that, like, the Jeskai decks are already playing Seal Away. And I think this just slots into that same spot. So that you're not devoting a slot that also disrupts to something like Thrashing Brontodon or Ixalan's Binding, you know, out of the, the other decks but also still gives you game against Adanto Vanguard and these other cards that are harder to interact with earlier in the game. 
and the the backside just infinitely blocks an Adonto Vanguard. So I like this card a lot. I think this is probably the front runner for best split card out of Ravnica Allegiance. I, I this is my highest ranked split card. I will spoiler alert. This is the best, in my opinion. I have one higher, but that's because of what it does compared to this one. So. All right, Carl, what do you have at three, man? At three, I have another just for fun card, but I think this has the potential to be a build around in standard. Theater Horrors is a three mana, one black and a red enchantment. At the beginning of your upkeep, exile the top card of your library. During your turn, if an opponent lost life this turn, you may play cards exiled with Theater of Horrors. You may pay three and a red. Theater of Horrors deals one damage to target opponent or Planeswalker. So, I see a lot of the Rakdos aggro decks probably playing this card. If you get empty-handed quickly and you start, like, building up cards on this, all you'd have to do is, like, get in a point of damage somewhere, use that Carnival and Carnage to ping them one time, and then you can start playing all your cards off your Theater of Horrors. Or you could pay the four mana to ping your opponent and start playing your cards that's if you had enough mana to do that to begin with. I'd much rather just pay the one mana to activate it. And even even still, you can just, alright, end of your turn, put the rest of my mana into this. As just another mana sink that is not, it's not the worst. As a card advantage engine by itself, just having this redundant ability to sink mana to hurt your opponent, I think it's just fine. I would be interested in testing this over Experimental Frenzy. And I'm not sure where I stand on which is better for what. I think a split might be correct. Because you're not casting the cards from your hand with Theater of Horrors. So you can you can play them alongside Experimental Frenzy. But I think Experimental Frenzy has the higher upside of doing more. Whereas Theater of Horrors is better in multiples. And Experimental Frenzy doesn't do anything when you have multiples. So... I have seen shells of Rakdos decks playing this. I'm interested in playing against it. Because the first time I saw Experimental Frenzy played, it was insane. And that's a card during spoiler season I just wrote off. Just because, oh, you can't cast spells. That seems really bad. I didn't think about using it as a draw five cards in one turn. So, I think Theater of Horrors has potential to be very good. But in a format already dominated or already encased with playing experimental frenzy, I'm not sure what is correct. Um, I like this in the more low to the ground where your creatures can like get blocked easier, because the fact that this has a four mana sink that you can just like let's ping you for one, let's ping you for another one. These these effects add up over time. Even if you just have to sit there and you have to ping for one for a little bit, you're still getting at least damage in there. And if you have, like, some of the spectacle cards, what's the three-mana bolt called? Skewer the Critics. So if you have that exiled, you can pay it for its spectacle cost still. And it would be, like, five mana for four damage, which in standard isn't terrible, right? It's not the worst. It's, it's about a normal rate for that kind of damage. Uh, what's your number three? So at number three, I think I have the only reprint. Um, I have Absorb. Um, so I did not play an invasion block, so I am not able to give you the opinion of this card was insane back in standard. I I didn't live back. I I wasn't living the magic dream back then. So I can't tell you this card was insane and, you know, it was unbeatable and it's going to break standard. No, I I just think this card's very good in a format where we're already playing three mana counter spells with minimal upside. I think the gain three life clause on this is better than the surveil one that we already have for Sinister Sabotage. And I think it's worlds, worlds ahead of the deal two damage from Ionize. Granted, this card is way more restrictive to cast than something like Ionize. And more restrictive to cast than something like Sinister Sabotage. And there are definitely going to be weeks where it's a mid-range slash control meta. So having an absorb doesn't really accomplish anything outside of gaining an incremental amount of life to prevent you from dying to a single bane fire i'm i'm interested in just seeing where the meta shifts 
to where actually absorb lands inside the meta. I think this card's very good. I think it's very, very playable. And a non-zero split between this and Sinister Sabotage, I think, is going to be correct almost every week. Agreed. Even though it is harder to cast, the decks that are casting this are blue-white mostly to begin with. And the fact that we have the Shocklands and Standard and all these duels means that our mana bases are actually going to be like able to support four and five color decks probably better. So getting to absorb mana might be hard by like on turn three, but mm-hmm. on turn four, you should have absorb mana probably by that time, unless you're just really unlucky. I mean, there's there's definitely games where you're going to be able to go absorb into Kaya's Wrath. Sure. I don't think that's the, I don't think that's the example. I think that's the, I think that's the outlier is whereas being able to go absorb into Chemister's Insight into Teferi is very real and very good. Especially if you have something like Warrant on 2 to disrupt their 1 or 2 drop, depending on player draw, into counter your 3 drop or counter your 2 drop. And just absorb, I think, is a very good tempo play, especially in the aggro matchups of, alright, counter your Lightning Strike, and I just countered your next one, essentially, with the game three. Uh, my number two, I have probably the highest rated split card between the two of us, Collision and Colossus. So Collision is a one hybrid red-green instant that uh, deals six damage to target creature with flying. And Colossus is a red-green instant. Target creature gets plus four, plus two, and trample until end of turn. The reason I have this so high is because this deals with Lyra very well. Like, super well. And Colossus is just a good little, here's this 4-2, give my dude trample, run you over kind of thing. Because there's cards like Registrar Alpha. Registrar Alpha doesn't have trample. Correct. The token does. I learned that today. The token does. Yeah, the token (laughs) does. But it doesn't, which surprised me, because the token has trample, but it doesn't. It now can have trample. So... Like, I feel like this is at least sideboard playable in these red-green dinosaur monster decks, uh, if not mainboardable. Collision also deals with Niv-Mizzet, which is very playable, as the current format has shown you. It also deals with both of the Drakes. It deals with Arclight Phoenix. I'm interested in seeing... uh, I want to hear your opinion of why you have Collision higher than something like Thrash. The reason I don't have Thrash as high is because Threat feels really, really mediocre. Okay. <laughs> and you just you think the backside of uh, Colossus is better? I think the Pump Spell is better than the Sorcery Speed 4-4 with Trample. If it had Haste, like Threat and Thrash would, would be in this spot instead of Collision Colossus. But because it doesn't have a Haste, it's here's my 4-4 with Trample, go... I don't get value immediately with this 4-4 because you could just just get rid of it. Okay. Uh, also, I like Thrash a lot because it's not really... It's half a fight. It's not a full fight, so you get to keep your dude no matter what happens. Unfortunately, uh, something like Collision always deals with Nymphmizzet, always deals with Lyra. Thrash does not always deal with those threats. You have to have something big enough to get it. Yeah, you have to have something like a Carnage Tyrant, or something along those lines to be able to deal with either of those. Here's a combo. Colossus into Thrash. That'll get it. That'll get it. Every time. Got him. <laughs> got him. Doesn't matter what it is. What do you got at number two, bud? Number two, I have Domri Chaos Bringer. So, Domri is two red and a green for a legendary planeswalker. Comes in at five loyalty. Plus one at a red or a green. If that mana is spent to cast a creature, it gains Riot. Neg three, look at the top four cards of your library. You may reveal up to two creature cards from among them and put them into your hand. Put the rest on the bottom in a random order. Neg eight, you get an emblem with at the beginning of each instep. Create a four four red and green beast with triple. First off, this card makes pigs, so it has to be good. <laughs> see this is the example of where i really like this if i was able to make a bore on my opponent's end step so i could attack with it next turn that's great that's what this is doing more importantly this ultimate is giving you one on your end step so you can be able to block if they have something 
and then at the end of their end stuff so you can start getting aggressive with them. Exactly. That text doesn't come up very often. The the text that has been very impressive to me um, is just being able to, to go, all right, play Domri on three. You're not presenting any threat pressure to it. Down tick, draw two cards. Draw the best two cards at the top of my library. And then next turn, plus one, here's a haste threat. Plus one, here's a haste threat. And just being able to pressure your opponent out of the game by constantly going, do you have an answer? Because my board's just getting bigger. Oh, you settled? Okay, here's another haste threat. I'm going to pressure you out of the game by being able to just cast threat after threat after threat that you just have to answer. This card has been insane in my testing. Granted, the the deck building restriction of it, of having the neg three consistently hit one to two creatures, you had to play a lot of them. But the creatures in this format are good. Are very good. If you're going if you're casting Lanor Elf into let's say Legion Warboss into Domri, you have such a board presence that you are so far ahead that it really doesn't matter what your opponent's doing, you're going to close the game very quickly. Let alone if you go all right, play Domri on three. Next turn, go land plus Carnage Tyrant. Like, you now have a 7-6 with haste that your opponent just can't interact with. This card is insane. Yeah, Domri is going to definitely be one of the big pillars of standard into the next standard set in a couple weeks. I would not be surprised to be uh, seeing a lot of red-green monster decks or Jun monster decks running around. This is, this is the one card that I have been really working on pushing to see where the limit is of, okay, that's too cute, let's back, let's back it up a little bit. And trust me, I've done a lot. I've cast Registor Alpha into Registor Alpha, and just been like, I just, I'm presenting lethal this turn. That just sounds scary. <laughs> it is, it has been very gross. You know, and you go, alright, plus... Make this, I, I want to call it Beautiful Chicken. I can't think of the card name. Rekindling Phoenix? Thank you. I cannot remember the name Rekindling Phoenix. Twitch chat has ruined me. <laughs> <laughs> if you just go plus Rekindling Phoenix attack for four, you're already pressuring your your control opponent by presenting this threat that now they have to have a exile effect for or two removal spells for. And, like, Rekindling Phoenix is already good against the, the control matchups, let alone against, like, the aggro matchups where it's able to play defense. But now that you're able to get in immediate damage with it, it's just been insane. And here's the best part. I don't even think this is the best card in the set. <laughs> He's It's just the one with the most upside. This card has been very, very good. Carl, what do you have at number one, man? It should be no surprise... Uh, if you remember last week, I was very high on Prime Speaker Vanifer for Modern, the Return of Birthing Pod decks. Uh, Prime Speaker Vanifer is my number one, uh, mainly because this is probably the one card that will push its way into the Modern format, whether people want it to or not. People who played Birthing Pod decks in the past, before I got banned in Modern, will jump right back in and just play Prime Speaker Vanifer probably. I see this being a very scary deck in the early weeks of Ravnica Allegiance, and it'll take some time for people to get used to it. Uh, if this, if everything goes well, I think and un and like uninterrupted, I think this deck can win on turn three or four still. So it still has modern power level. There's a there's a combo I saw on, I think it was Reddit, that says, "All right, you have Prime Speaker." And let's say you have some spectacle enabler. So you're able to damage your opponent this turn. So you can sack your gutter bones, go get uh, Time Stream Navigator, I think is the card's name. The one in a blue pirate that lets you take extra turns. Yeah, if you have Ascend. Is that right? So you can then uh, Ascend, take your extra turn, bring back your gutter bones, play it, and then just take continuous turns over the course of the rest of the game as long as you have as long as you have some enablers such as if you have like a theater of horrors or if you have an angraf the unchained 
just something that is able to deal damage to your opponent over the course of X amount of turns. I like Angrath. I like throwing hammers at people. I do like throwing hammers at people. But yeah, I think I think Prize Seeker Vanifer for sure is going to be played in modern. Uh, I can see a standard deck like like that. It's just a cheeky little combo creature deck. I could see that happening. I could definitely see that happening where they just get to take all the turns. I was um, working on a list today playing Vant where you're able to play Militia Bugler alongside this because Bugler is able to find your Vanifers. That's actually really relevant. Because it, it just conveniently be a two-power creature. And then you can turn your Bugler into something like a Aurelia, which you conveniently also can find off of Bugler. So I'm I'm trying to see, again, the limit of how far you can push Vanifer before you again say, all right, we're doing way too much here. We need to back it up. Exactly, yeah. It comes down to what's the ceiling. Find the ceiling, and then we'll work backwards from there. Yeah. Push the ceiling, and then we can... You need to be able to push the ceiling and then figure out where the floor is. And if those two are acceptable numbers, I think is where you can start saying, all right, this is super playable. I want to explore this way more. But I'm more excited about seeing how high the ceiling is before I see, well, it just dies to... I was going to say cast down, but it doesn't die to cast down. So it dies to Vraska's Contempt or Bedevil or Assassin's Trophy, you know. Yeah, you can you can say any creature dies to a removal spell. And the downside of it being a creature versus it being an artifact or pod, one, it doesn't have haste, which if you play it alongside Domri, it can. <laughs> <laughs> that is... That is not something I have explored yet, but it is something I'm working on. Domri does make green mana. Domri also conveniently plays really well with creatures. So being able to have the synergy between something like Domri to give it haste and Vanifer being able to play additional creatures is, is really synergistic. But being not being able to immediately activate it is a big problem compared to Pod. And the other big downside is that... Because it is a creature, it's easier to disrupt. It's easier to interact with a creature than it is something like an artifact. Granted, Pod also had Phyrexian mana, which made it way busted, and way sooner to like start doing its busted thing. But I think Vanifer is very, very good, and I don't want to take anything away from this card. We could play Rhythm of the Wild and Vanifer. That's cute. I like that. That's really cute. Because then they can't counter our Vanifer, and Vanifer enters with haste. And then it gives every creature we tutor for haste. Exactly. <laughs> because it enters the battlefield, not right? You don't have to cast yeah. the creature? It's not creatures you control have riot. They enter the battlefield with a choice of a plus one, plus one counter or haste. That's cute. I like it. My number one card from Ravnica Allegiance is Growth Chamber Guardian. Uh, Growth Ch- Chamber Guardian is a green and one for a 2-2 elf crab warrior. I love this creature type. Um, it has adapt. Two for three mana, uh, two and a green. Whenever one or more plus one plus one counters are added, are put on Growth Chamber Guardian, you may search your library for a card named Growth Chamber Guardian, reveal it, and put it into your hand. Shuffle your library. This card is very comparable to Squadron Hawk being able to tutor for an additional copy, but you don't have to use his adaptability. Like, you know, we've, we've talked about Domri being able to give things Riot. We've talked about Rhythm of the Wild being able to give things Riot. This card has other applications outside of, all right, let's 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 make it a 4-4 four, four for 3 additional mana, which in itself is not a bad rate. Or even going, all right, Domri, give it haste, attack for 2, next turn, adapt onto it. Or if you're casting it after you've cast Domri, you already have extra mana, so you can go... Domri, give it haste, adapt, search for your next one, attack for four. This card is is just ridiculous. I really do think people are underrating this card, and it's going to run people over by just how resilient and how much card advantage this card generates by itself. Granted, it is a 2-2. Two, 2-2 two. Two, two for 2 is very interactable. You have things in this format like moments of uh, moment of craving. You have cast down. You have dead weight in this format. All these cards have seen play in the last 
six months or whatever, you know, the last three months that Ravnica has been legal. You have Conclave Tribunal. Um, Ixalan's Binding. Ixalan's Binding on your Growth Chamber Guardian feels awful. And, you know, these, these are things that are going to come up, I'm sure, at some point. That doesn't mean this card's not good. Just because you can interact with the card doesn't mean it's not good. I was going to say the fact that it has this effect that you can go find more of it and it is a 2-2 has actually been an upside compared to most of the other ones. Usually this is an effect, say, for, like, 1-1s or 1... Yeah. Squadron Hog is a 1-1 with evasion for 2. What was the vampire that goes and finds more of itself from Ixalan? Legion Conquistador. It costs 3. It was a 2-2 for 3. Yeah. This is a very well costed 2-2 this is an aggressively costed card that has a good ability and it could like you said it can become a 4-4 if it's under if no one interacts with it like you can go turn two this turn three make it a 4-4 swing in for four make it a 4-4 find my next threat attack so this is this is another card i haven't played a lot with but i think this card's just absolutely insane with what it's going to be able to do and like what answers you need to be able to have in your format. The fact that it can enter as a 3-3 if you give it Riot means that Moment of Craving isn't always good. But you, whereas Cast Down is always going to be able to kill this creature. So there's there's just little, little things like that that make you have to think ahead of how am I going to be able to interact with what my opponent is doing? What are they bringing to the table? What does my removal suite need to look like? So, if Growth Chamber Guardian is really big one week, alongside something that gives it, gives it Riot, or, you know, something along those lines that you're able to move 1-1 one, one counters on it, there's, there's, um, isn't there a Mul- Merfolk or something in the set that allows you to move 1-1 one, one counters? Isn't the, the Simic Guild Mage do something like that? Yeah, the Combine Guild Mage lets you do that. Yeah, so, being able to move counters from something else onto this. You know, if you have your the the one drop Merfolk, the the Biomancer that allows you to loot whenever it has a counter put onto it, you, you can adapt for two, put a counter on it, then move the counter off of it onto your your Growth Chamber Guardian to then two drop a dude. Like you're still moving a counter, you're still putting a counter on it, which then just lets you adapt onto something else again. I think this card's very good. I'm very very interested in this card. I want to play more games with this card. Agreed. Uh, a lot of testing needs to be done still before you leave on the... Are you leaving the 25th? We are leaving the 25th. Luckily, uh, we have Ravnica Allegiance coming to Arena and I believe Magic Online on the 17th, this upcoming weekend. Um, That Thursday, I believe. So, you're able to do your pre-release events on there as well if you're not able to get out to your local LGS to help support them. Um, You're able to throw money at Wizards to say, I want to be able to draft. I want to do Sealed this weekend. Exactly. It lets you get your testing in without having access to everything quite yet. But more importantly, go support your LGS if you're able. Oh, yeah. Uh, if you ha- if you can, go out this weekend. Go go play the pre-release. That's how they make their money. It's how If you go there, it's going to help them out a lot. Absolutely. I know our LGS averages anywhere from 40 to 50 people on a midnight release. And it helps out a lot. I was talking to them today. I was talking to them today. They are currently at 42 for the midnight release. And they still have a week to sell seats. They're almost capped too, aren't they? I think they said they cap at 56. So, Ravnica brings people back to the game. Oh, yeah. And this set is no exception to to guilds. This set is very well designed. This set is very impactful to what it's doing for Standard. I'm very excited to start playing more games with these cards. I'm definitely playing a midnight pre-release this weekend. Um, Unfortunately, I have to work this weekend, so I'm not going to be able to come in for pre-release. I will. I'll win my pre-release for you. How's that sound? Sounds like a plan to me. You win it, and I'll take the packs. <laughs> I still have to pick a guild. All my guilds I really like got placed in guilds of Ravnica, so I have to pick a guild. I think Simic is sold out for midnight. Um, I think Azorius is really close. I, I'm not. I'm not 100 sure on that one. I'm gonna be honest. I'm probably gonna lean towards Gruel. <laughs> I I think Gruel is very good. 
I think both of the rule split cards are playable, and I think they're very good for limited. Um, just being able to have additional threats, like being able to have additional removal spells at uncommon and rare, are very are very good. Um, again, being able to grow your dudes with riot if the board is stalled out, or being able to give it haste and start chipping in more damage sooner, seems seems really powerful and limited. I'm really excited for this set to come onto Arena so I can actually draft. I was going to say, how's your testing been going? Um, so, a little bit of standard testing I started this week. Um, I've been testing a green-red monsters deck so far. Um, the the big new cards that we have for it are four Domri. Um, I've played... I made the change over to Growth Chamber Guardian, I think, last night. And that card's really, really been impressive so far. Before that, we were on um, Wild Growth Walker and Branch Walker at two to be able to uh, help against the aggro decks. So being able to just curve Wild Growth Walker into Jade Light Ranger is still just really good in this format. But I think having having um, not having both Branch Walker and Jade Light makes Wild Growth Walker not nearly as good. And I, I think... Branch Walker is much weaker compared to something like Growth Chamber Guardian, so I think it's the correct cut for that spot, which then opens another another four slots at two that I want to be able to keep. Um, I've tested Incubation Druid, the new two mana uh, two mana Birds of Paradise. That card is also very good in that deck, just as a as a card that's able to come down on turn two, and then on turn four turn five be able to turn into a a three five and start attacking your opponent while also still accelerating you farther if you need it to has been very impactful the the fact that your your mana dork coming down on turn seven doesn't mean it's a dead draw by being able to adapt onto it has been very impressive with that card um i've also played um a bant primal amulet deck um, in that deck, the new cards I have, I have, um, a couple copies of Warrant Warden, which have been really good against the aggro decks by being able to time walk them on their early turns, being able to bounce a copy of Registor Alpha's token, you know, just to permanently remove it. And then later in the game, be able to have multiple Sarah Angels comes down off of it. It's been really, really impressive. Um, I've also played a non-zero amount of precognitive perception in that deck. And that card is insane. That that card didn't make my top five, but it was definitely on on the brink of it. Just because when you're comboing off with that deck, you, you know, taking infinite turns with Nexus or or even just casting a March of the Multitudes for you know, casting three copies of March for X equals seven, X equals eight. Being able to draw three or scry three, draw three multiple times. Is just insane. Or even even just doing it once for five mana is so much better than something like Chemistry's Inside at four. The the downside of oh I have to tap out at sorcery speed doesn't really come up, but it has been it has something that has been well, I think I want to leave up settle the wreckage this turn, and if they don't do anything, I'm just gonna draw three at their end step. Um I played against in in that matchup. They have Gruel Spellbreakers in their board. And there was, there was a game today where they cast Spellbreaker on turn three or turn four, and I'm leaving, uh, on turn four, and I'm leaving up Settle the Wreckage, and I'm just like, I, I, I'm I looking at two copies of this card in my hand, and I can't cast them. I can't cast my Sweeper because of this card. So I think because of specifically Spellbreaker, I want to move towards more Cleansing Novas than I do Settles because then I'm not having to worry about, well, I can't cast my Sweeper. Um, I've also tested Merfolk with the new One Drop. I can't remember that card's name. Uh, Benthic Biomancer. I was playing uh, Kumina Speaker until that card was spoiled. And I was actually testing the deck when it was spoiled, and I'm just like, okay, this card is... I'm trading it out for this Biomancer card. I want to see how good this is. And alongside Deep Root Elite, this card is insane. You see so many more cards. 
you know, when your aggro deck is outdrawing the control deck or outdrawing the combo deck, you feel so good. There was there was a game where I'm like, well, I have three lands in hand, but any creature lets me start chaining off again. And next thing you know, I go from a board of two creatures to, well, I have five or six. Let alone if you have something like Deep Root Waters alongside it, you're just going to start chaining through your decks very, very quickly. Uh, Deep Root Waters plus um, Deep Root Elite plus uh, Benthic Biomancer is just insane. You draw so many cards. <laughs> so what's your front runner for Indianapolis? I think right now I'm, I'm leaning towards playing the Bant Amulet deck just because I haven't had a problem with the aggro decks, which I think are going to be dominant on week one. Um, the few aggro decks I have played against feel like they're a little bit all over the place because they're wanting to try a bunch of the new cards. And I haven't nailed down playing against a... You know, I haven't played against something like Mono Red from the last format where it goes one drop into double one drop into Chain Whirler or something along those lines. But, you know, when they're casting Registrar Alpha on turn three, turn four with haste, it that's a lot of pressure very quickly. So I need to test against the, the more aggressive cards in the format. Um, I need to test against something like Just Guy Control as well just to see how these cards line up against them and get a get a taste of what these cards are actually bringing to the table into the new format. Because I think a lot of people who are going to have success on week one are just going to adapt onto the, onto the old decks and not try to rewrite the format. Um, Agreed. It's always safer to just put new cards that synergize better with your strategy rather than try to completely reinvent the wheel. Whereas that's why I'm, I don't want to work on something like aristocrats for week one, just because I, I'm not the amount of time I would have to devote to something like that. I don't think is worth my time. Whereas I can go, well, this, this is, you know, a re a rehash of an old deck because before I was playing Bant, I was playing Esper doing basically the same thing I was. And then I'm like, all right, I want to test out growth growth spiral and see how good that is. And then I get also something like Carnage Tyrant and Frilled Mystic in my board that are also able to pressure my control opponents while also being able to pressure them by being able to combo off. And then <clears throat> I was actually playing uh, Warrant Warden main board when my roommate Kyle was like, well... If we're already in green, why don't you just play March of the Multitudes? And then it hit me that copying a March is really, really good. There was there was a game where he attacked me for like five or six, and I just went, Alright, March for six, trade off with your board. And then, you know, I untapped and from basically nowhere comboed off and drew my drew a second copy of March and X is now nine or ten, but I'm making two copies of it. So being able to go from X equals six to X equals nine twice is really, really impactful. Um, a card that hasn't really impressed me so far that I was really, really high on was Wilderness Reclamation. And I'm I'm not sure if it's just because I'm trying to do too much or if the card's just actually not impactful. Um, early, early on in my testing, I was working on Bant Turbo Turns, the, the list that we posted last week, and it just, when you do your thing, it's really good, and then when you're behind, you just have this four mana sorcery card that doesn't impact the board. Sure, you get to untap your lands, but at the same time, you're not really doing anything. When... When you need to draw a sweeper and instead you draw this four minute do nothing, you're just like, well, I'm probably dead now. Exactly. The deck, the format's too fast for that. But there's also been games where I go, all right, Wilderness Reclamation into Tefiri, untap two lands, float two mana, untap all my lands. Nexus is very, very good. There's definitely games where I've, I've had polarizing results with the card and I've had more, this card's not really impressive then this card's insane. 
And I've I've tried a lot of stuff with it. I've tried it in Amulet alongside untapping my Primal Wellspring to copy an expansion explosion. And like again, when it's good, it's really good. But you're already playing a you know four minute do nothing in Primal Amulet. I can't afford to have multiple four mana do nothings. So when I was testing, when I first started testing the Amulet card, uh, the Amulet deck, it was actually the first card I cut. I don't think I really have anything else that is uh that has overly impressed me so far. I haven't really I haven't dipped into the Rakdos decks at all. Um I just feel like if you're wanting to play aggro early in the format, you don't need to stumble on your mana to try to do multiple things and that you should probably just be leaning toward mono red or mono white splashing heroic reinforcements. Uh, I went on to Star City and I was looking at their versus live uh, lists. Some of these are pretty cute. They've had they've had some really cool decks. They've had some really cool decks. Uh, Todd Anderson's Simic deck that he played on Monday or Thursday, whatever day it was that he they they were live, really really showcased the power of uh, Hydroid Traces. Uh, and that's. That's actually a card I've debated splashing in the, the green-red deck alongside Domri. This is another way to accelerate into it. And it's like, you know, if you're paying 6 mana for a 4-4 a four, four flying that draws you 2 guards and gains you 2 life, how much better is that card when it also has haste? So, it's it's something I've worked on a little bit. And, you know, this, this format has really, really good mana that you can afford to splash a a blue card in your green red deck and then you also get if you're devoting cards to it you also get the counter spells out of the board that, that todd has here as well um ross played the one that stands out to me is the goblin menagerie deck the rakdos deck where it's running around with skirk prospector as its sacrifice outlet for judith the scourge diva so, um, Tommy, our, our friend Tommy Wallace, um, was talking to me earlier this week. He, he has been playing mono red in this current standard format and is really, really impressed with Judith and, and being able to play that card alongside it. And he sent me a list that was similar to this, um, but less all in. Um, it also was being able to combo, there's the combo of, Multiple runaway steamkins with Judith and Skirk Prospector and Squee to be able to generate infinite damage. That sounds awesome. I'm like, that seems really, really cute because it's like a six card combo. He's like, yeah, but Squee's just also there as like an unkillable threat. Because it doesn't matter what it does, it's coming back. It always gets castable. And I, I really like this deck. Because you have your your early threats of like you know Goblin Instigator and Skirk Prospector alongside Midnight Reaper, and I think Midnight Reaper alongside Judith with a Sack Outlet is just going to generate you so much additional value. That's this might be something I need to proxy up and actually play. I think the gruesome menageries might be a little too cute. I don't know, dude. It gets back Judith. It get it gets back every creature in the deck except Siege Gang. Yeah, it gets back. It gets back Judith, Wily Goblin, and Skirk Prospector all at once. And like, if you don't have that, you can get like Chain Whirler, Instigator, Oracle as your card draw engine. I would get back Judith, Instigator, and prospector and then i have three mana to go do whatever else next that turn i would do that that sounds gross i i like his sideboard too nice and clean for theater theater of horrors Mm -hmm. i like the bedevils i like the bane fires i like i love drillbit in here i like this deck a lot so staying on on the uh, star city art uh star city versus live art decks um, I did play Todd's Bant deck, and there's just a little too much going on here that makes me not lean towards it versus Amulet. And I, I think he said that he was going to try to play his Teamer Amulet deck that he played, that he wrote about in his article last week. 
um, later in the week. I I haven't seen those go up yet, but I'm interested in, in watching those videos as well, just to get a few more ideas for, for the BAMP deck. Standard's going to be great. Might pull me away from Modern for a little while. You know, interesting note, um, who was it that we were talking to today that said that they were just tired of, of Modern? Was it Drew? It was Drew. Drew was, uh, our friend Drew Lewis was talking about how he just doesn't like the current state of modern. I'm like, yeah, I've, I've been saying that for weeks, if not months at this point. I'm like, just just come play standard with me. He's like, I might have to do that. So it's, it's really, really awesome that I like seeing the standard format grow when Wizards isn't really doing anything to promote modern's health. And not, not saying modern is a bad format. It's just not for me. I think we've talked about that every week so far. It's it's a big thing. It's, people talk about it all it, the time. It really, it really is. Um, luckily, we have a banned and restriction announcement next week. So, by the by the time next week's um, episode is up, we should have a banned and restriction announcement. We might we might have to delay recording next week until we can talk about that too. Yeah, exactly. That's what I was about to say. Is like we might have to delay the next one until after the band restricted announcement drops. We'd have stuff to talk about then, maybe. Or nothing. Could be nothing. Yeah, it could. Which I think is still enough to talk about. So what do you think? I think we can call it good here. Alright. Thank you all for, for listening. My name is Carter Noble. I'm once again uh, signing off for myself and, and Carl Wilkin. Um, this has been the Attack for Zero podcast. You can, you can find us on Twitter at Attack for Zero. You can find myself at Carter Noble 25 You can find Carl at Musical underscore 33. M-U-Z-I-K-L underscore 33. Um, you can find myself and Carl on Twitch. Uh, Twitch.tv forward slash Mr. Missouri 25. Twitch.tv uh, forward slash Musical. Um, any... Any inquiries, comments, questions, concerns that you have, you can email to us. Our email is going to be down in the show notes. Um, I think that's going to do it for this week, guys. Thank you all for coming by. Have a good night. Peace. Peace.